welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my co-host, Light the Light-Fingered Thief. Hello, everyone. And your high gal. Hello. So this is part two of a recording that we actually technically, I guess, the third third part, but it's a continuation <laughs> of a previous episode that we started. So we're going to call it part two of that series. Yeah. And what would, uh, well, I guess we, we did it. We did an episode. If you scroll back to the past, uh, Light and I did an episode called No Bigots in This Space. I believe we called it. We talked about bigotry. I said, I feel like there's a lot more to talk about on this that we barely touched and covered it. And then Yohai got a hold of me and he said, hey, I got a thing or two to say that, I, you know, he pointed out and we started talking about his blog post. And that led us to our last discussion, which if you if you want to catch up, go to the yesterday's episode, because this should be the Saturday episode that this is going to follow up on a Sunday, I'm assuming is when they'll get posted. So where did we leave off? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is great. I think that's what I think Everything we. Yeah. Yeah. We, so I, I I think that that there needs to be what, what one of the beauties of what's going on right now is that people are bringing up issues that are hard and talking about them. And one of the beauties about it happening about role playing is that it brings up those issues just inherently by itself because of the content of the games of past, because of what we're playing, the things that have been passed down from the, the game is about literally about things like colonialism. There is politics baked into role-playing game. So it makes it in my mind, kind of the perfect medium to discuss a lot of issues. And I think that it's not bad that it brings up those issues. I think sometimes people have a, have a hard time hearing others at times and especially like i think we kind of highlight who some of those people are and stuff like that and that perhaps sometimes people have a hard time just having a discussion with others and being able to take in what's being said to them and make an adjustment to behavior instead of being like oh no i and make excuses and things like that and i see a lot of that that goes on um, there's ways we can do better. So I actually was thinking about a question you asked in the last episode yeah. um, about, you know, what can we do when it happens in our own spaces, like on the left? And there were, the, it's actually interesting. One of the reasons why I started the NSR Discord is I was so frustrated with the kind of pitchfork mentality that you find in other like post Google Plus spaces. Obviously, Twitter is just a, area for that no it yep. is it is yeah. but um an example is like when one person who had some notoriety his name appeared in a list with a bunch of other people for a project but without those other people knowing he was involved and then a bunch of the usual folks at least on the twitter spaces that are more left-leaning freaked out and started damning all the people on this list. All they did was get their names written on a list as a working on a project. They didn't even know about this other person. And it really pissed me off because those people had no, they had no control over this, you know? And also just like they were being damned by association without in like a complete, you know, it's a trial by public, uh, what's the term execution, whatever trial by public pop popularity. I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was really stupid. And I think we need to calm the F down sometimes and just like get good faith, like just ask questions and critically don't just jump on people and say they suck unless you absolutely know that. And when you do know that that's when you do it, you know, 
Uh, and I call that um, be kind, even if it means being mean. You always assume good faith. You prod people a little bit to make them uncomfortable if you feel like they're in the right mindset, but maybe aren't familiar with the terms. Because uh, one thing that people on the left do a lot is wield language as power. You know, it's like how we replace our predecessors. Like I see this all the time with millennials and Gen Xers replacing boomers because boomers are using the wrong language, even though like I know this particular person, like let's say it's my mom, right? Who's like an old communist from the 1960s and 70s. She might not be up on some of the terminology with respect to like trans folks, for example. I know she's 100% in support of their rights, but she really has a hard time with pronouns. Okay, I don't know if it's a language thing, if it's a memory thing, whatever, but like I just gently remind her. And the problem is I remind her in Hebrew and the word in Hebrew for um, her is he. And so that can cause <laughs> right. it can be And the word for he, the word for he is who. It gets even crazier. And the word for the word for who is me. It's so funny. But anyways, <laughs> like so I'll sit there and I'm like I'm saying say her, but I'm saying he in Hebrew. So it's very confusing, but my mom like cannot do it, but I know she has her heart in the right place. And so it's like, rather than be like, I am going to replace you and take over your role as person who has power in this relationship, you can try to like assume good faith and push them and push them and push them. And again, that takes a lot of energy. And I understand why people don't want to do it. But like, that's how you deal with it in your own spaces is you calm the witch hunts down, you know, the whatever the pitchforks, whatever they are, you, you calm people down and you also call people out, but gently or call people in is what some folks uh, say instead. It was certainly true because um, I have certainly run in circles where if the majority is leftist, it's very easy to get out your torches and pitchforks because <laughs> you're surrounded by them. But then in the grand scheme of things on a global scale, it's a very small minority. Yeah, you cannot yeah. do that approach every time either. We're going to alienate <laughs> people. Yeah. Also, it's often so cynical. It, I just, just assume good faith. And I mean, I, yeah, I feel like don't always let other people like if you see a conversation happening that you don't like, don't just let it happen. Like get in there, get involved. Obviously make space for others to speak, but like bystander syndrome is a real deal, especially in on the left where you just kind of like, don't, you don't want to create conflict. And it's like, no, create conflict. I, I'm sure Lovar agrees with this since he's never afraid to engage, you know? <laughs> I, I, I engage, I engage far less on online discourse than I used to. When I ran the blog, it, it, you can get, you can get caught up on it constantly. I think that it's, that there's times to speak up that is productive. And I think that there's a lot of times where it's just, there aren't going to be open ears and there's not going to be anybody receptive. There's a lot of people trying to tell everybody else what they know that aren't listening. I, that happens online. Online's made it very tricky to have, as we mentioned in the earlier episode, you know, the dialogue and the empathy, it's much too easy to go fire out a very uh, nasty troll-like remark just to get reaction out of people. So I've, I don't engage online in these type of discussions anymore. I, it's too much of my emotional energy and I don't feel like it's making progress there. I feel like a big, a big uh, indicator of this is irony. Like I'm not really good at irony or sarcasm for whatever reason, but like, I feel like irony is a tool of those who don't want to take another person's hurt seriously. I see it a lot, especially on the right. It's like, there's this whole thing about how the right can't meme. Yeah, they can't. They really can't. They can't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's partly because they're punching down but also right. because they're completely obsessed with irony. It's like a whole thing for them. It's just to 
to basically take a thing that should be genuine and subvert it in a way that is purely hurtful. And that that's irony to them. And I, I, I've only been really grappling with this recently, but another red flag for me, just like the shibboleth we mentioned last time is people just being ironic, not being genuine about what they're saying. And um, I don't, it doesn't mean I'm like blanket ban on irony. That would be ironic, but, uh, <laughs> but, but no, it's like when people use irony as a self-defense mechanism, uh, that to me starts to, that's a big red flag. Uh, the uh, irony the, and the one that drives me and just up a wall, I go bonkers over and, and, and par- probably because I've noticed that my teenagers have picked this up off of internet discourse is when you're nasty and you do something or say something nasty, a way to preserve yourself or to respond is it's a joke. And I know yes. we mentioned that yesterday and yes. it, it happens. It's a joke. I was joking. It was like, yes. I want to point out, I want to point one thing out the vast majority of what even I would say, the most conservative of people understand to be racism or racist remarks were jokes. Were jokes in the eighties, maybe. In I 70s, mean, yeah, but, a lot yeah, of what, a lot of most what stamp, yeah. understands to be racism. A lot it's of that joke, stuff, yeah. it was jokes. Oh, you're so sensitive. That's what they would say. You know, yeah. it's sensitive. Yeah, uh, I, I am sensitive to certain things. That's right. That's appropriate because <laughs> I'm a human being, and I right. Yeah, it. as if sensitivity is a bad thing. First off, like right, whole, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, um, if you if you guys will allow me, I did go yeah. and dig up the quote that I really liked from um, the uh, soft book on anti-Semite and Jew. Um, I'm just going to read it short. Never believe that anti-Semites are, are completely unaware of the absurdity of their replies. They know that their remarks are frivolous, open to challenge, but they are amusing themselves for it is the, their adversary who is obliged to use words responsibly since he believes in words. The anti-Semites have the right to play. They even like to play with discourse, for by giving ridiculous reasons, they discredit the seriousness of their interlocutors. They delight in acting in bad faith since they seek not to persuade by sound argument, but to intimidate and disconcert. If you press them too closely, they will abruptly fall silent, loftily indicating by some phrase that the time for argument is past. Like that shit's from, I don't know, I'm going to Google that. That's, (laughs) yeah, that. It's, it's, you know, this was a long time ago and it does, obviously it's not just anti-Semites, but sure. 1940, okay, this is actually published in 1946. So this was actually after the war, you know, that, that exact conversational style is what you are talking. I mean, it's what, to me, that's what you're talking about. I'm putting that, that's how I see it. It's like, oh, I was just kidding. No, oh, you're just going to take it too seriously. Stop right. taking it so seriously. No, fuck you. You know, take well, me seriously exactly i mean you know they're just gaslighting you and be like oh yes it was a joke i was right. serious you right. know it's like well you know what that your joke is a insult and a hurt to my culture and it's to make it clear yeah exactly it is serious that whole thing that they're doing that like i'm saying this but it's really a joke no 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 they mean it like well, if they, you they mean it they're yes. serious about it <laughs> right exactly that's what's so fucked up is that right. it, they are actually serious, you know? They are actually serious. And it's uh, always interesting because um, rarely do they ever feel under attack for their culture. But when they do, they go apeshit. I remember I was on someone's Facebook. I'm not going to say say who. 
<laughs> we're talking about baseball. So obviously I'm not a baseball fan. My friend who was the originator was on the baseball fan and we're questioning the seventh inning stretch. I'm like, Oh, that's really weird and fucked up. What's a seventh inning stretch thing. And then, you know, somebody, one of her other friends, old white guy jumped in and started just going after us about like, well, if you don't like baseball, you shouldn't be insulting it. And, you know, just don't go to the baseball games and blah, 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 blah. Like we were just, we just didn't understand what the seventh inning stretch is. It's very strange concepts to us that don't go to baseball games a lot, but this guy got so defensive. He was absolutely angry and furious at us for talking about the seventh inning stretch. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, what, so. oh, I, what is that? I, I know what an inning is. I don't know what this, what that, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what the stretch is. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. for, for example, obviously you're not familiar with it either. I mean, yep. I'm, I'm losing familiar with it. The seventh <laughs> inning stretches. In the seventh inning of a ball game, you've been sitting a long time in a ball game. So okay. you stand up and you stretch. That's oh, a oh, oh, that's so, so as, funny. <laughs> so like as, the interlude to a movie or something. Right, like, exactly. You stand oh. up, you stretch, you go get a hot dog, whatever it is. So it was a very foreign concept to me. I see, even I to see. Because I don't watch baseball, but no, I'm, I'm aware of it. But, you know, my obviously the original poster is an Asian as well, too, and didn't grow up. Yeah. So the, so the two of you are like, right. This isn't. I mean, yeah, it's. <laughs> And, and this okay. guy got so pissed off. Yeah. At us. And I have that a point, similar that I just, I, just, I just kept poking him. I was like, <laughs> I have, I, when I go to my my wife, her family is from the Mayflower, right? So this is like the whitest you could ever be. And I remember the first time I went to her family's ancestral homes, whatever you know, they've been there since 1605. I remember I went to their houses, and they were t- the people there. These are like whatever, mostly like working class folk. But they they were talking about baseball, and they were going person to person, and each person was making a comment, and I was thinking about rpgs or something and they said to me like <laughs> they said hey yo hi what what do you think and i said i don't know anything about baseball and it was like i didn't speak like i it was like their brain shut down like they just continued <laughs> on without comment it was like nothing and i was glad because i did not want to have that conversation right either, but but it really was unthinkable to these people like they, they and i dude i'm not critiquing it like that's great i'm glad that they have a thing they love like and many people, I have friends who are nerds who like sports, but it's more just like the idea that you wouldn't know what baseball was, was unthinkable because these people have, they've lived, true. they lived and breathed. <laughs> if you've been one town, if your family's been in one town for 400 years, it's going to seem pretty inconceivable that you don't know about this fundamental fabric of U.S. identity, you know, and th- that's actually the, the hard thing is that conservatives own American identity in their minds, right? Oh, they, for sure. They, they own it. Baseball, football, NASCAR, Byron, NASCAR, NASCAR, all yeah. that. And, um, you know, America is way more than that. Like way, way more, more than, than that. that. Um, but it is true that there is this default, uh, you know, America is those things. And if you're, if you're not into those things, you're not American in some way, you know, there is this, and that, and that's what we're constantly battling against. And it, if I could just change gears slightly here, something I wanted to say in yesterday's show there was this comment from right when the NSR like concept was happening. So the NSR discord, I didn't open until like late 2019, but I bought the domain in December. I'm sorry, in late 2020, but I bought the domain in um, late 2019. So it was like a year between the website and the discord became open. I used to use it for like play by post games with my friends. Mm-hmm. I opened yep. it. Um, and I was doing some research on the term NSR and its origins, which like most people know, it kind of came out of this um, post by Pandatheist on Twitter. And there was this conversation with a bunch of like rad OSR type people. 
And one person commented, I'm just going to read this on the original, like the, when it was kind of solidifying and happening in real time, this person, um, Matthias, I guess, Matthias, 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 there is commented. They said, I'm down, but what happens when the Nazis and fascists adopt the NSR tag and infect the pool once again? I don't think we'll ever be rid of them, but I'm definitely down for the new acronym. So like, you know, it was bittersweet kind of comment. And it just struck me that like, even before this community existed, there was already the fear of infestation of toxicity. Sure. You know, sure. that's how bad it is, you know, is that like, we're, we're literally like, these people were discussing just a term and it's like, well, well uh, you know, and I think that that fear is completely legit. I don't want to uh, discredit that person's uh, experience. It's just really interesting. And that's why I think it's so essential to have hardcore moderation. Otherwise your space is never going to be free of those. For sure. I guess one thing that I've been noodling over. So obviously we play a lot of old school style games, old school, new school, first edition, more simplified systems, streamlined systems, but within, let's say the 5e community, is that community more accepting, more open, or are the elements of fascism, bigotry in 5e that are up to the same level that we see within our OSR, NSR community? Because with 5e, at least I feel like, now obviously I don't play 5e that much, is that at least from a community level, they're more open, more accepting, their supplements, their releases, their source material is more diverse. Um, I'm not saying that you know, the Oscar revival isn't like that, but it seems like at least with 5e from a generational standpoint, there's been more acceptance there and less of this fashy element within the community that we play in, as you just mentioned, <laughs> even rebranding it's NSR, we're already concerned about fashy elements coming in. So with the newer game systems, like the 5e's of the world, would that be something that we're seeing less of that uh, fashy elements? I have a response, but I didn't know if Logar wanted to go first. Uh, I don't have a response. I don't. I don't have an answer because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I can. I can respond. I, I was in the five E world for about three years. You know, my trajectory was like Palladium in high school, and then not playing until I was in my early thirties, and then five E for a couple of years with a bit of Pathfinder, <laughs> and then um, I'm just not a math person. Moving on, and then you know, story games, Dungeon World, other stuff like that, and then eventually OSR, but. Actually, would have hit the OSR earlier if I had not run into um, a certain no longer part of the community person early on and really bounced hard because of that kind of personality. Um, but my 5e time taught me a few things. For one thing, we ain't shit. 5e, there are, I mean, have you 5e's seen how many? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not even a, we are, I mean, there are like what, like it must be fewer than 15,000 OSR subscribers on the, like the subreddit, for example, there are probably, I would say easily 10 times, if not more 5e players, probably more than the whole totality of the OSR space. So first there's, there's that bit where it's, it can't be the same because there's just so much more and, and sure. that there's a selection bias problem there. But I can say that like looking at the reaction to some of the like 5e streamers and what happened when like, you know, a white person played an Asian character and the reaction that happened out of that and looking at um, some of the stuff that like Watsi has tried to do with diversifying their talent base and with respect to artists and writers. Uh, yep. I actually think that it does quote unquote appear like they're a safer space. I don't think that's true. I, I think that on a kind of public slash professional level, like YouTube streamer, like, I mean, if, if you're at a level like where you're getting a million dollars for a Kickstarter to animate your live stream RPG, 
you're not even in the same ballpark and the, yeah. any comparisons are not going to lead you towards truth. Um, I don't necessarily think the 5e space is more uh, diverse either, although be, just by merit of having so many more people, it's going to be represented by more kinds of people, which is great. Um, and the last thing I'll say is there is something about liking the quote unquote old ways and being conservative. There, there just yes, is. There is. That's, there is a relationship. That's one of the draws. The OSR is a million things. And it is also, here's a place for how things used to be. And that's going to attract a nostalgic reinvention of history by the kinds of people that we're talking about. It just is. When 5e yeah. might not have that. 5e's got right. a black demons, whatever they're called. Uh, who are the tiefling the on the cover? On the cover, right. you know that right there. You've already excluded. <laughs> those kind of, I'm just saying it, it, it works, and that's actually a really great thing we can learn. Yes, it's like, exactly. Like it's not just about having rules. It's about literally saying no bigots stops bigots. It does because they it's a signal to them. It's their own ship. Like saying like, you know, this is a safe space, which that terminology is a little like I I, I even kind of cringe when I say safe space just because of the association. I never went to college, but like all my experience with it is like kind of making fun of it, you know, even though I understand the reason for it. There is this like ludicrous kind of um, presentation in the media of that concept. It kind of reminds me of that free free uh, free speech area, the free speech zones, they have a protest. That's what it reminds me of. It's like this, it's such a, wow, where are we in terms of discourse? On the other hand, if I put the word safe space in the header of a community, it's going to save me a lot of time. Well, safe space as well too. It'll be able to bring in folks who are maybe, you know, let's say questioning their own sexuality. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. There's that too. To yes. the OSR game. So, you right. know, Yes. For me, what I'm trying to figure out is what can we do to your earlier point about being able to bring in more diverse folks into the OSR, NSR, yeah. older rule set? Because, you know, if I was coming in a role-playing game and I was a young transgender person, I'd probably go play 5e right. for a variety of, of reasons. Because you would have heard of it first off. Well, yeah, from an advertising <laughs> standpoint, you know, I would have heard of it. But again, you know, at first glance from the surface, everything looks to be much more accepting of someone of my background and yeah. such and i would be more comfortable in entering something right. with 5e because i would feel it'd be safer right yeah you could the... see that on the magic card you know you right, exactly the... yeah no i mean that's why they say representation matters right is like you see yourself then you're like that could be me you know that that's how it works and all white people ever see is themselves so of course they're comfortable with it you know yeah that's... from a default standpoint yeah but that's, the... that's what i mean that's what i mean but if you if you if you make what is not it's like people get people used to get mad about TV shows. They'd be like, here's four white guys and a black guy. And it'd be like, well, that wouldn't happen in real life. It's like, first off, yes, it would. that right there is normalizing that right there. You're normalizing like what you want to see in the world. And I, I think that that's a way of doing that is by saying like openly saying we welcome these identities tells those people this, you will be safe here while also telling those who make them unsafe to get the fuck out. Right. I guess that I don't have any other ideas. <laughs> oh no like I said, you know, we're, we're very passionate about you know our osr nsr rule sets we want to continue to see the community grow we want to be able to bring in the next generation of folks um, as i mentioned in the previous episode you know we're not getting any younger so we need to you know make sure that this still continues to have great supplements great games for example like karen which you produce you know so uh, 
it's always difficult because you, you, you look at like, oh, first edition D&D, what do you play? I play first edition D&D or second edition. Oh, you mean the one that put out Oriental Adventures or something? Yeah, other, yeah, you know, right, right. And then you, you go and be like, look at 5e, be like, oh, no, look, there's this whole, you know, un- unchained Asian adventure system <clears throat> written by Asians. Why wouldn't I go play 5e right. then? Because yes. I see supplements where it was written for Asians uh, with cultural context and such. Right, and so. right. Well, I mean, that's a, I guess that's the question I would ask that question of you. You are the, how would you like to see yourself more in this community? And how would you like to bring more people who look like you and feel represented like, but you know, in this community, how I, I would ask you that question. Right. I mean, if that's the case, then we would need to be, as you mentioned, you know, releasing source material, similar to what you had mentioned, writing a adventure module based on your cultural and religious heritage for this OSR, NSR rule set. I mean, that's something that we would have to do to increase the representation. And and you are seeing that with like the whole like uh, C movement, like the, the um, and you're getting stuff like my, my number one all-time favorite RPG product of all time is Thousand Thousand Islands. Like, I mean, it is, yep, yep. I will cry reading it. Like it is, it's fucking incredible. It's incredible. You know, ZX2 and, and Monk Howe, I can't, I just have, ungodly respect for them and what they do and i think every person should do what they can i remember buying it and there was no ssl certificate on the pay the website to pay right. to buy it from the comic place <laughs> sold it and i was like i don't care i don't you know i was Just like buy I, it. I'll take I need it <laughs> I, yeah um and so they're supporting that there's a um a, a new karen hack that's um uh philippines inspired that just came out um is it mingana i always forget how to pronounce it is there a y at the end i always forget how to pronounce it but i it's linked on the karen rpg.com website but there's a new um philippines inspired karen hack and then there's m- more happening now than you know but i mean arc is also created by a c creator like you're getting the stuff and it's awesome uh, but it's kind of a chicken in the egg situation like you need to bring more of these people into the hobby to also get them to first off it's not easy to make stuff no it's not right it's, it's not at all not and at so all. I, it takes a long time <laughs> i i guess the only thing i can do as someone who's in the hobby and somewhat sees himself reflected but maybe not everywhere is to support those creators. And that's For the, sure. that's the best thing that I can do. Like people who interact with me will, the one, the one thing that I hear a lot is like, Oh, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't encouraged me. And I'm not in any way taking credit. I'm saying, I can't believe how many incredible genius people there are who just need just a tiny nudge. They just need like the littlest push. Like, like I, I was watching an interview with someone the other day who was like, Oh, I had made this amazing thing but I wouldn't have printed it if I hadn't texted me. That's awesome. Print it now. What are you doing? Do this, you know, like <laughs> right. that, that, that to me is like creating a supportive space is like 90% of it. It seems like, cause then when the people are there, they're not like crushed when they make up a night, when they suggest something that isn't normal. So that's what, if you're, if people who are listening to this are asking like, what can I do as someone who isn't of these communities to support this kind of stuff? Firstly, it makes great gaming material. So be selfish. It, does. <laughs> it just does. And then second, support the shit out of them financially, socially, through kindness, through empathy, through listening. Um, that's the, to me, the best model is to create a supportive community. And, and that's the thing I'm the most proud of with NSR Discord. It's just like, people will tell you, like, I come from story games background. I'm a person who has this identity. I don't feel marginalized or unwelcome in this space, which makes me feel like creating. And that's my, that's the only answer I can give that I, someone like me can give is support those people. No, that's a good point. I mean, supporting, like you said, with encouragement, buying the material, creating community. I mean, you know, with our Bobbies and Wizards 
podcast mm-hmm. we're doing mm-hmm. a little bit of that trying to highlight yes. indie creators and indie creators of uh, different backgrounds to be able to encourage them and get the word out and try to build this community that we want without the uh, fashy racist elements in it you put out so many podcasts it's people are always like how do they do so many episodes i'm so amazed and i'm like i logar logar's <laughs> logar's the workhorse <laughs> he just he just pumps them out it just so so let me i want to change gears for a minute and I want to, I, th- I think that, I don't know if this should be a completely separate topic, but I feel that it's one we probably might want to even do future episodes about um, that I don't feel we've touched on enough. But one thing that I have definitely noticed on top of all of this in the gaming communities, in all these geek communities, even in activist community, left-wing activist communities, uh, is misogyny. And gender. Very, yes. <laughs> um, and and that's that's a real problem a lot of times. It, it seeps out. And and as a man, um, I can't say that I am blameless or I've always been. I've had to I've had to reevaluate my behavior. So I've I'm 40 some years old, the 80s and 90s. I I said and did terrible things. I look back and I go, oh wow, I was a turd. I you know. I was clinging on to some bad stuff and I had to kind of unlearn stuff. I'm curious if y'all have anything to say on that topic there. <laughs> you two dudes, tell me what you think about misogyny. In the <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we need, I think we need, uh, I need some, uh, some women's voices on here to discuss that. Um, yeah, I think that probably best to have a future episode where we bring in some of our um, other gaming friends. <laughs> I do feel that the the definitely the OSR, but the gaming community in general in general is very male dominated as well. It is. It is. Is that not? Yeah. The, yeah. It is. I mean, there's a number of of societal reasons for that that I think we're all probably pretty like aware of i think you know it's like if i had spent hours in my basement you know making hex maps of something (laughs) i don't think anybody would have blinked but if my sister did that even my very progressive parents probably would have said something so i think i think it starts really early i think it's maybe a little different now from what i can see but right even like i was talking to a friend's daughter who's uh, 11 recently and um i was talking to her about like the kind of stuff she's into and her dad jokingly said oh you know do you like dnd no, thinking she wouldn't know what it was and then she said oh yeah we play dnd in school sometimes i mean oh, it's awesome it's, it's yeah and then she said like i think mostly it's the boys who play but sometimes i go play with them and like it sounded familiar but like i also don't recall anybody at that age when i was that age um playing the you know i was i mean i guess it was different but um it's definitely different than it. I, I i i from what i can see the kids are all right but yeah, I, but there's hope. <laughs> yeah, every time I look at them, I'm like, God damn, we were so behind, like who we are, you know, our generation or everyone. Basically, everyone. But the if you're under 15, uh, you make me want the future to happen, you know. Right. If we don't screw it up, but I don't, I can't really speak on other than my own internalized. I'm gonna say this here. I, I, I probably, I think that one thing that would be a good topic in the future is talking about men dealing with misogyny mm-hmm. and changing things like masculinity yeah. And, and, yeah. and confronting what masculinity is yes. in, in a real way. Yeah, for um, sure. And that's one thing I've had to do personally. I, yeah. I was very, very lucky in that earlier in my life, uh, you know, it, it, I was older in my life, but now I'm so old that it was decades ago in my life that. <laughs> that I happened to 
be acquainted with and, and come into close quarters with some pretty great womanist and feminist uh, folks who radically impacted me and taught mm -hmm. me a great deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't think everybody gets to have those kind of influences on them. And I am by far perfect. I, I'm going to put this out there. If you're listening and you are not male identified, you're a trans, a woman, um, trans uh, was non-binary, um, any sort of gender that isn't a cis straight guy, and you want to come on here and talk about the topic of misogyny in game spaces, I would love to talk to you. Go to Twitter at Logar Hale Crom and send me a DM and Tell me, hey, because I, I would love to have some voices on here that want to discuss this stuff. And, and just in general, I'd like to have more voices that aren't just a bunch of cis men on the show. I've been trying, but it's not always easy to find that. If, if you ever want to feel your skin crawl, go read the uh, RPG Horror Stories subreddit. It's basically all women saying, like, here is this terrible situation experience that I had. I'll have, have to table. check that out. I've not it's, checked oh, out. I can't read it anyway. It's like, it's all just like, here is my awful experience. I have seen those things happen at my table. Yeah. I, we, I have, I'd say that we have a, a percentage of, of folks who play in our games that are not cis straight dudes. And I've definitely seen, seen things happen in our games at our tables. And I've had to say things that we've even had to, at some point in time, ask people to leave games. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. that happened uh light when at our but i think we're actually right before we got together we had uh to ask some at least a folk well, well yeah I may let me rephrase that we have had to <laughs> anyways so I've, heard, I, I've heard from a few folks who play um online i play much more with people i know and um often women and and i <laughs> personally prefer playing with women for so many reasons one thing that i've heard is that if you say for instance like you know how when they do like looking for a group they'll put in like signifiers like lgbtqia plus whatever i've heard from straight men that putting that in there guarantees them that they won't have problems with whatever men join like that's their like they put in i'm looking to play with people of this community even when they aren't part of it because they know that whoever they get which is going to be a combination of folks from sure. that community and not that the straight dudes who join are going to be just a way more. They're, they're just by default going to be a better experience for everybody. And that that's like, there's one guy who's telling me like, that's his preferred way of finding players is to signify not, it's not that he's like, she's not, he's actually not trying to say, Hey, you folks are welcome. He's trying to say this. Hey, straight white dudes, you better be okay with this shit. Right if you want to play. And that seems to, um, you know, that does guarantee the first thing to happen, but it's more of a message to those people who might make it bad than just say you're welcome, which obviously he felt was true. But um, I thought that was really interesting that another one of those signifiers, like you, you are welcoming to one group and that by default is exclusive. It excludes the assholes. So that's, that's one thing I think people can do is just like put down a, a, a you know, a signal. And we've we've we have been I don't know if we have time because we're pretty much up on time, but I know yeah, White and yeah. I have been very intentional when organizing our groups are kind of sniffing people out a little bit and saying, yeah. hey, do we want this person? And we kind of know what we're looking for. And a lot of it is like that bigotry and, and sexism type stuff that we're trying to weed out of our group. Yeah, um, for me. 
my game time is, you know, my relaxed time away from work. I don't want to be gaming with a bunch of hateful racist oh, fascists yeah. at all. So yeah. I don't want to deal with it because it's my off time. So mm-hmm. every time Logar and I would get, you know, asked to join the gaming group, you know, I'm pretty much very deliberate in saying, okay, they better not be Trumpy. They better not be <laughs> hateful. They better not be, you know, uh, a, a bigot essentially just as a baseline starting point. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise the guy, don't feel comfortable in gaming with them. And we've gotten feedback before. And it's like, well, you're going to lose all kinds of great gamers with love because, you know, both local good and posted on the yeah. public local um, where we live groups and people have games like, well, you might lose, you know, certain games. are like, I don't care. That's fine. I'm, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to game with them. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. We don't, we don't have too hard of a time filling a group. When I started even an in-person game, the last one I started was Palladium Rifts. <laughs> and we your had, version we your had version. a dozen plus players for the first game i was like i usually wow. after i, I, I spent my experience when i get a whole bunch of people together for game one people are like ah, and then you end up with a, a a steady group after a while that a few people tend to drop off from the first game i've noticed in general maybe it wasn't the game for them i know that we had a few people come that was just that they were coming from far away and making that drive wasn't gonna you know so I haven't had a hard time filling a table. I have had a few games puttered out. That's another discussion for another time. <laughs> well, I think you should try to bring on woman identified folks. That's that'll be a great follow up to this, and you could bookend it as a series. Um, yeah, if you're out there listening and you're interested in coming on to Wobblies and Wizards and talking about something like that, I'd love to have you on and would love to have a discussion. Uh, we're about out of time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, thank you so much for listening. Please share with others. Uh, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hill Promise. These are the one I follow up with. <laughs> we're on Facebook. Just search uh, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hill Crom. We're on Patreon. You can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And keep those dice rolling. And you'll hide. Did you want to plug some of your uh, personal sites? Oh, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's good. It's, uh, <laughs> it's cool. it's, if you're listening to this right now, you've heard my voice so many times. It's- cool. Well, again, you know, support your indie creators, support people of color, support people that, you know, are putting out good source material, highlighting different cultures and different experiences, you know, in a respectful way.